0: The early development of Christianity is one of the most fascinating subjects there is in my opinion. There is so much diversity, mysterious ancient texts that show up every now and then to shed new light on something we didn't know before, not to mention that it allows us to trace the gradual development of what is today the largest religion in the world. In the diversity of movements based on the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, some strayed very far from his Jewish roots in their doctrines, such as the various groups that we now call the Gnostics, while others were very much still part of the Jewish religion and considered his message to be within the bounds of Judaism. And the most famous of these Jewish Christian groups is probably the mysterious and fascinating Ebionites. Jesus of Nazareth was Jewish. Few scholars or people generally today would deny this. His life and teachings need to be understood through that lens and taking the Jewish context of his environment into consideration. Now, That doesn't mean that he couldn't have taught a message that somehow broke with the traditional Jewish religion or indeed that his later followers did. In terms of the latter, they actually definitely did eventually, but things are also a lot more complicated than this. The earliest centuries of Christianity can be a hard topic to get a hold of, because it consists of so much diversity and variation. Indeed, before something like an orthodoxy was established in the different church councils, there were many Christianities, all vying to represent the true teachings of Jesus. As we've explored in earlier episodes on related topics, we should avoid the anachronistic view that there was an orthodoxy from the beginning, and that various sects diverged from this orthodoxy. The variety of early Christianity was a lot more complex and chaotic than this. In any case, the various ways that Jesus' message was interpreted and put into practice could differ dramatically, and there were debates about basically every conceivable point of belief. Some of these debates were eventually formally discussed in the famous church councils, which tackled questions like the nature of Jesus, who was he in relation to God, what was the relationship between his divine and human natures, how does the trinity work, etc. Outside of these councils, which took place in a context where certain tenets of the religion had already started to be agreed upon, the debates could be even broader. Was there even a trinity at all, and was Jesus even God, or simply a human messiah? We don't have time to go through all the debates and discussions that were floating around in the earliest periods of Christianity in this episode, but this is the general outlook that needs to be kept in mind. There were many different Christianities that could look very different from each other. In an earlier episode, we explore the teachings of the Gnostics who often denied Jesus' human nature altogether and rejected much of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament by claiming that the God of the Israelites was a false, ignorant God distinct from the true God that had sent Jesus. This is thus an example of a group that definitely distinguished themselves from the religion of Judaism. And this was in fact another one of the most significant early debates. What is the relationship between Christianity, broadly defined as the movement and teachings of Jesus, and the Jewish faith? Many of us know that the separation of Christianity into its own religion was a gradual one, and as we said in the beginning, few would deny that Jesus himself was a Jew who lived and preached to Jews in a Jewish environment. But in the early period, this question seems to have been a great point of contention. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus famously said, Quotes, Do not think that I have come to abolish the Law or the Prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them." This verse, as well as in general the relationship between Jesus' teachings and the Jewish Law, has been interpreted by later Christians in various ways that fit with the idea of religious distinctness between the two religions, but in the earliest periods this seems to have been quite a point of serious debate. After Jesus' death, it seems that his community of followers were based in Jerusalem and led by his brother James, as well as the apostle Peter. And the perspective of these leaders appeared to have been one where the Jewish law was still kept and that Jesus' life, teachings and death was seen in a Jewish light as being still essentially part of this religion. In other words, it was a Jewish movement led by Jews who had been close with Jesus. This version of events, while neglected by some, seems to be corroborated in the New Testament, as the letters of Paul make reference to a disagreement that he had with the leaders in Jerusalem on whether Gentile converts needed to get circumcised and observe the Jewish law. Paul, of course, is a central figure in the early spread and formation of Christianity. He had been a prominent Jewish persecutor of proto-Christians before converting after a miraculous encounter with the by-then-deceased Christ while on the road to Damascus. He had never met Jesus in the flesh, but became very important for the conveying and spreading of his message. And in this process of proselytizing, that is, converting people in the regions of the Roman Empire, both Jews and Gentiles, he argued that those who accepted the message of Christ did not have to follow the Jewish law. Jesus' life and resurrection represented a new covenant that broke with the old law and thus offered a new identity. But the leaders in Jerusalem, presumably James and Peter, seemed to have disagreed instead arguing that non-Jewish converts must indeed get circumcised, observe the Sabbath, and follow the Jewish law in general. This tension also seems to have manifested in the larger proto-Christian community at the time, some groups following the opinions of James, while others being more in line with Paul's more universal perspective. As we all know, it was Paul's perspective that eventually won the day and became part of Christian orthodoxy, indeed as one of its most central doctrines. But this is a very significant aspect of the early Jesus movement that helps us to get some perspective on how a religion develops as well as the diversity that existed in the early Christian community. And indeed it also gives us a background to understand the main topic of this video, the Ebionites, which was a group that definitely disagreed with Paul and who often seems to have considered James, who was Jesus' brother and the early leader in Jerusalem, as one of their central figures and inspirations. So who were the Ebionites? Well, basically, they were a group of Jewish followers of Jesus, who believed that he was the Messiah, but that following him and his message meant that you had to be Jewish and all that that entails. The Ebionites were not the only Jewish Christians at the time, but are probably the most famous. There's another term called the Nazarenes, which was used... uh, at this time to refer to a more broad category of Jewish Christians, it appears, but the Ebionites are probably the most famous group, or perhaps groups, uh, that fall under this category. So what do we know about them? Sadly, not much at all. As is usually the case with movements in early Christianity that didn't become orthodox, we don't have much to go on. The Ebionites haven't survived the events of history, at least not in a direct way, so we can't ask them about their beliefs, and we don't have the luxury of something like a Nag Hammadi library which allowed us first-hand access to texts by other early Christian groups like the Gnostics. In other words, no texts or writings by the Ebionites themselves survive for us to study. So we have to rely exclusively on accounts by heresiologists or writers at the time who were critical of this group. We can only know about them through the writings of their enemies, as it were. Writers like Irenaeus, who called them Judaizers and heretics, who were, quote, stubbornly clinging to the law. So it goes without saying that all of this information should of course be taken with a grain of salt. But what we do get is fascinating. The name Ebionites is uncertain in itself, but the Christian father Origen of Alexandria writes that the name comes from the Hebrew word Ebion, which means poor. And this perhaps speaks to the ascetic tendencies of this group. To the Ebionites, Jesus was central and very important, of course, but he had not established a new religion, per se. Instead, Jesus was the human Jewish Messiah sent by God to fulfill the earlier Jewish scriptures. Jesus was not God, he didn't exist before creation, nor was he born miraculously of a virgin. He was a human being who followed the Jewish law to such a perfect extent and lived such a pious life that he was chosen or adopted by God to be his son, not necessarily in the literal way understood by Christian orthodoxy, but as a more traditional Jewish title as son in the sense of being chosen for a special mission by God. In the words of the scholar Bart Ehrman, quote, To express the matter more fully, the Ebionites believed that Jesus was a real flesh and blood human like the rest of us born as the eldest son of the sexual union of his parents, Joseph and Mary. What set Jesus apart from all other people was that he kept God's law perfectly and so was the most righteous man on earth. As such, God chose him to be his son and assigned to him a special mission, to sacrifice himself for the sake of others. Jesus then went to the cross, not as a punishment for his own sins, but for the sins of the world, a perfect sacrifice and fulfillment of all God's promises to his people, the Jews, In the Holy Scriptures. As a sign of his acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice, God then raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to heaven. This also meant, as you can tell, that Jesus remains much more connected to traditional Judaism, and the Ebionites saw themselves as Jews. While certain Jewish practices were modified, as we will see, they held that it was still the Jews that were the chosen people, and that it was the Jewish religion that Jesus had preached and fulfilled, and then maintained by his brother James through the Jerusalem church. The Ebionites thus maintained the Jewish law as central to salvation, so to say. They were circumcised, kept a kosher diet, observed the Sabbath and all other features of the Jewish law. There were, however, certain ways in which they would differ from the Judaism that had been practiced prior to the life of Jesus. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross had an effect on the law, and this seems to have led the Ebionites to completely reject the ritual sacrifice that had been common in the temple. Not only this, but the Ebionites are also famous for going even further by being vegetarians. They didn't consume any meat and consider this to have been the practice and message of Jesus himself as well as John the Baptist. So what was all of this based on? Well, obviously, the Ebionites believe themselves to be following the true message of Jesus and that all their teachings came directly from him. In terms of scripture, the primary source was the Hebrew Bible, or Old Testament, which is natural given the fact that they were Jews who put an emphasis on the Jewish law. But they seem to have accepted some newer scriptures as well, which recounted the more recent events involving Jesus and his mission. Some sources suggest that they would have used a version of the Gospel of Matthew that was somewhat different from the one that we have in the biblical canon, probably excluding parts that run counter to Ebionite views of Jesus. This text might have been in Aramaic, either originally or translated from an original Greek. In the accounts of a later church father, Epiphanius, it is claimed that there was also a gospel of the Ebionites, which appears to have been a kind of harmonization between the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Epiphanius actually includes a few quotes from this lost text, which means that it is the only actual direct quotes, possibly, that we have from an Ebionite source. And these quotes show that this supposed gospel of the Ebionites differed in some significant ways from the gospels as we have them. It is, for example, here that the supposed vegetarianism of Jesus and John the Baptist are put forth by having slightly different letters, certain words that are just slightly different, which gives them a new meaning in the Greek language, thus allowing for an interpretation that Jesus and John the Baptist taught vegetarianism. In any case, aside from these features, there are a few ideas and practices that the Ebionites seem to have been associated with, but which is hard to confirm with certainty given the nature of our sources. As the name suggests, the Ebionites may have seen poverty as a virtue, as Jesus certainly can be interpreted as having taught, and they seem to have lived a rather ascetical and austere life. They revered Jerusalem as a particularly holy city and turned towards it during prayer. Epiphanius also claims that the Ebionites practiced a type of ritual bathing on a regular basis, similar perhaps to groups like the Essenes. Whatever is true of this group, it seems that they didn't survive for all that long, especially after a Christian orthodoxy was established over time. We do, however, have some fascinating indications that the Ebionites, or perhaps at least groups related to the Ebionites, survived in small clusters or groups uh, spread out around uh, the Middle East for many centuries later. Some later sources seem to indicate that the Ebionites may have had a presence in Arabia, which of course leads to fascinating questions regarding its possible influence on the emergence of Islam, which holds a very similar view of Jesus as a human prophet. Indeed, even after this event, we have accounts by various Muslim writers that might indicate that Ibnite communities existed later in history than often assumed. The Mu'tazili theologian Al-Qadi Abd al-Jabbar recounts an encounter with a group that might be identified with the Ibnites around the turn of the first millennium. And even later still, the scholar Muhammad al-Shahrastani describes a group in the Hijaz, which is in Western Arabia, that followed the Jewish law but accepted Jesus as a prophetic figure, which suggests to us who this might be referring to. So while they aren't around today and didn't survive as more than a marginal group beyond the very earliest stages of the development of Christianity, they still serve as a very interesting and fascinating example of the diversity of early Christianity. They represent a perspective on the life and teachings of Jesus that emphasizes his Jewish identity and the importance of following the Jewish law. Christianity not as a new religion, but as a shift and important turning point within the already existing tradition of Judaism. As such, they stand at the very opposite end of the spectrum to the more famous Gnostics and other related groups. They can point us to the fact that Jesus and his teachings were interpreted in many different ways by different people in the early period, perhaps even more so than today and that the relationship between Christianity and Judaism was a hot topic of discussion even to the most immediate followers of the Nazarene preacher. The Ebionites traced their lineage to that interesting early leader of the first church in Jerusalem, James the Just, who is often claimed to be Jesus' very brother, and rejected people like Paul and his supporters as heretics and apostates. All this naturally leads to many what-ifs that we can speculate on for eternity, but we are going to leave it there for this episode. I hope this was an interesting look into the most famous of the Jewish Christian groups in antiquity and that you are as excited as I am to continue exploring the early period of Christianity and the Jesus movement in future episodes. I will see you next time.